Hello, everybody. We're back. Well, we're we're back live finally after a hiatus of not doing an actual live show for probably what two months, three months, something like that. We're on Periscope. We are in person. We're on your favorite podcasting platforms. We're Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I'm the gnarly gnome. Um, Sort of by myself, but not even by myself, because I've got Dan Vallis from Great Crescent Brewing Company sitting right next to me, guiding me through this fantastic brewery that I don't make it out to nearly as much as I should. This is a gorgeous place. Wonderful, um, wonderful thing you've done out here in Aurora, and, and we'll get to um, to all that here in just a minute. We um, First off, welcome to the show. Cincy Brewcast, we kind of venture around every part of Cincinnati to all of the breweries, all of the tap rooms, all of the places where you find like-minded people drinking beer. And um, I don't care what anybody says, you are very much a part of Cincinnati. Thank you. Appreciate that. Again, we'll talk about that too. Sounds good. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great and welcome. Oh, th- thank you very much. You know, we, um, I think, I don't think my wife has ever been out here. I think um, I, I, I brought the old man, my, my dad with me too, and I think this is his first time out here, so it's it's kind of, um, I don't know, kind of upsetting to me how many people in Cincinnati haven't made their way just, you know, just down the river just a little bit and just out here to what I consider one of the almost pioneering breweries of this craft beer scene in Cincinnati, and um, well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, I appreciate that. So I, I assume you're not a regular listener of the show. But I also assume that you can kind of figure out how we start the show all the time. Sure. We, my favorite segment. Um, From the beer fridge. You don't start doing a beer podcast if you don't really like to drink beer. So we like to taste some of the stuff that's available, talk about it. We like to hear some of the stories behind the beers, what, what, where it came from, um, that kind of stuff. You are kind of known... Um, in, in my experience, and I've kind of had a very limited selection of, of, of your beer since you guys don't distribute over to right. my neck of the woods anymore, but um, traditional styles with a little bit of a twist is kind of the way I would describe it. I'd say that's pretty close. We do a lot of uh, different things. We try to brew beers within a style parameter, but at the same time, make them unique. What do we have first here? The first one we've got is a cherry ale, and it's a beer that we've been brewing for 20 years, um, really before we even opened the brewery. And I used to work and visit in Belgium quite a bit and always loved the creek beers and thought the cherries that they use there would be a really great addition to just a regular ale. And so a guy that worked for me there in Brussels, his wife was Dutch, and she knew where to get those cherries, and, and I'd fly home with 20 kilos of them and make some homebrew and and go from there. When we started the brewery though, we couldn't get those cherries anymore. And then I discovered in Michigan, there's a variety called Ballatin and it's very similar to what we used, what was uh, called a Norden Creek Kirsten and um, super bitter, very tart cherries. And uh, we change it up a little bit every year and because the harvest is not always the same. Right. So this particular one is basically a lighter ale with uh, over a pound of cherries uh, per gallon. So it's, it's got a load of cherries in it. Well, and it's, you know, it's definitely not, you, you started off talking about creeks and things like that, and it's, it's definitely not 
tart. It's not sour. It's no. not, you know, it's... Um, I love it's, the it's, cherry flavor. Yeah, it's... it's it, you get a lot of that cherry. It's a good summer kind of, you know, hot weather, sitting outside, yeah. breaking a little bit of a sweat and having a nice, really cold beer. This is, this is great. I believe... This is one of the few we have tried on the show. I believe we had a can of this um, a while back, and then that would have um, been the French farmhouse yes. style. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we tried that one that on the show. That was a great beer too. This is great though. I think Thanks. I like this one better. I like that too. Um, you know, there's many times we do the reports, and that cherry ale will be the biggest seller of the month. So it's a popular beer. It's really nice, and and we've got to mention the food here too, and you guys. I don't know if it's by necessity, and again, we should probably get to that a little bit later too. To, you know, talking about the, the the food program, or if it's just why not have food at a brewery? I don't. Uh, you we know, can, we can go through that. It's but it's by law we have to have it in Indiana, and uh, we just prefer to have food anyway. I don't want people just sitting around drinking beer and not being having anything to eat. And my wife is a really excellent cook, so there was no reason not to. Well, and, you know, that. we've we've, we've kind of heard, you know, or seen breweries around the country where they're in one of those areas where you have to have some kind of food, and they'll kind of, you know, just all right, we'll we'll throw some hot dogs or something on there, so us. something like that. And so, <laughs> again, hats off for for doing it the right way and yes. having some killer food. That where I was going with that is this would be really good with food. This is a a, a great beer to kind of pair with something. But yeah, um, what's next? This next up is um, called Harmony Beer Dark Lager. Oh, Schwartz and, uh, beer. Yeah, pretty close. It's a 200-year-old recipe. It's widely recognized as Indiana's first commercial beer, Indiana's first beer. And it comes from the town of New Harmony. And 200 years ago, it was the town of Harmony and where the Harmonists had settled. And uh, George Benthel was the brewer, and he's the one that came up with it. And we all brewed that for what they called a replicale uh, back in 2010 for the Brewers Festival in Indianapolis. And uh, we liked it so much, we just kept brewing it. And a woman over in New Harmony opened up a uh, antique store that was also a wine and beer bar. And she approached us about selling it over there, and and we do. And uh, she's actually one of our biggest customers. Well, and, and and you said you know dark lager, and I look at it, and it, you know Schwartz beer is the first thing my mind went to. This is definitely not a Schwartz beer. This is real. It doesn't have any of that roasty kind of stuff going on. It's real smooth and um, almost kind of like a cola thing going on too. Right. And um, a little it, bit of coffee. Yeah, no, it's it's again killer. Uh, so, Thanks. how much um, how much focus do you have on on lagers versus ales? I know that's kind of a uh, we like lagers a lot, but we don't do them in the traditional sense. Like, uh, we'll we'll turn just about any beer into a lager. And for the folks that know a lot about yeast, the homebrewers out there, and the folks that are are knowledgeable about it, there's not a whole lot of difference in the yeast between ale and lager. There, but there are some key differences. One is the temperatures that they ferment at, which a lower temperature is going to keep some of the... Um, more floral and other right. flavors at bay and also lager yeast uh, eats one more sugar that ale yeast doesn't eat so i didn't know that yeah that's why it, it that's what creates that crisper um i guess for lack of a better word drier why has nobody told me that before i don't know that's <laughs> i mean it makes perfect sense though like there is that that, that other quality of a lager that you know that that, that crispness that the, the drinkability whatever sure. you want to call it you know that 
It's, eat, it's eating something else. <laughs> it's eating it's that one last sugar. <laughs> That's awesome. I um, we 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 talk a lot to local breweries that start getting into lagers, and it's always kind of a hot button issue in the brewery. You know, do you waste the tanks? You know, quote unquote, waste the tank space. I, you know, and, or do you just kind of suck it up and say, you know what, it makes a beer that you can't make any other way. Right. Um, spend a little bit of extra time with it and and and. and do it you know yeah you have to be set up for it i mean it's we make a ton of this uh harmony beer dark lager mainly because uh, it's very popular here and then um, over in new harmony with sarah's harmony way she really sells a ton of this beer so it 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 keeps it moving through and sometimes the fact that it has to lager it's a drag but it's it's what we got in it for and and it's not a beer that we don't want to make anymore. I just think it's a very cool beer. Uses all German malts and uh, from Weirman Malt in Bamberg. And um, I believe him and another fellow are the ones that translated the recipe from the original German dialect. So in that relationship you with said, them you said that. from Bamberg? Mm-hmm. So isn't that the, the, like the, the, the smoked beer kind of? It is. <laughs> it is. And it's a family-owned maltster. Um, we do a lot with them. We um, have our Doppelbach uh, recipe. I I emailed. Um, I think that's the one that I heard the story from was the, from them. And uh, yeah, I emailed him and said, you know, I I want to make the quintessential the German Doppelbach, and if you've got a recipe, that'd be cool. And he sent me a really great recipe that we brewed this year, of course, and released it in March, and it turned out really really well. And uh, I'm working with him right now on a Vienna lager yes. that uh, I think is really an underappreciated style. It's not going to get the buzz from the, the Uber geeks, but that doesn't really matter to us. We really just like crafting good, solid beers that um, appeal to a wide variety. And it's not that we don't do some that are out there, but... And that's, you know, I, I, I never... I hate using the word gateway beer. Right. I think it's... I think it's demeaning towards people. But this is one of those beers that if you are not, you're not ready to jump into big hoppy IPAs or giant roasty imperial stouts or things right. like that, you, that's not your, and even saying not ready is kind of a, a, a mean thing to say, but if that's not your, 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 your glass of beer or whatever you want, <laughs> yeah. cup of tea, you know, it, it's smooth, it's, it, 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 it has that flavor but it's still so easy drinking and um, it's really delicious for sure. We convert people here every weekend. There's people that don't think they like craft beer and, but we're going to find something for them. And surprisingly enough, sometimes that first craft beer they really like is a West coast IPA or a bourbon barrel, coconut Porter or, or our coconut Porter, which was the beer that really, introduced me to what you guys were doing when somebody said oh there's this 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 coconut and this was you know when i first started getting into craft beer and they said oh there's this there's this place right out right over the river that makes us this killer coconut porter you know it's you know everybody always talked about you know maui brewing companies you know coconut porter and now that we can get it it's a whole different story but back then it was this it was this myth you know you hear about this beer and you hear everybody talk about how fantastic it is but you can't try it, you know. You know, you got to go, you know, here. You got to go there to, to, to even think about getting it. So, I had always wanted to try that beer, and, and in my head, it sounded delicious. I'm like, well, I'll go try this one. That's you know the closest thing I'm going to get. 
Now that I've been able to get Maui's Coconut Porter, I will take this one that's sitting in the pint right in front of me any day of the week over it. It's, it's fantastic. I and I, I don't know how much of that is because it's local, because it's fresher. I, I don't know. But it's, it definitely tastes better to me. It's, it's, it's a killer beer, which, again, um, I guess segue into that. We have, we have one more before we get into that. But um, we have two versions of it sitting in front of me. There's the regular one, which I've had countless times. And then you've got a bourbon barrel version. We do a bourbon barrel version of the Coconut Porter. We did one for our fifth anniversary, and then um, we did one. Our eighth anniversary is November 12th, and um, we've put that out on Facebook and our website, and we're really excited about uh, having our eighth anniversary here, right here in downtown Aurora. And so we brewed it again. Um, I managed to uh, come up with some real fresh barrels. We have a really good relationship with a distillery in Kentucky, Four Roses, and um, we go down and get the barrels. Uh, they start emptying at 7 in the morning, and we go down and get them at 9 o'clock. So that's awesome. It is awesome. And, and that's not something that a lot of brewers can do. You know, they're having to buy their barrels out from brokers and, and do a lot of other things. And those barrels aren't always fresh, and sometimes they're really suspect as far as uh, contamination goes. We've, we've heard plenty of stories lately about some of the, the, the biggest breweries having some contamination issues. Sure, there. it's tough, you know. And... And I think what a lot of folks don't don't grasp is, you know, it's it's something you got to pay attention to the whole time. It's not a given that because it had bourbon or whiskey in it that it's going to be a, a barrel that's free of contaminants. And uh, oh, but fresher's man. best. What do you think of that? Oh man! So when you smell it, you get a lot of bourbon. Right. And you know, right off the top, it's it's one of those beers I smell. I'm like, oh, this is this is going to have that 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 bourbon that sits on top of everything else, wipes away everything else. But it doesn't. Doesn't at all. No. It's definitely there's definitely a, a a bourbon flavor there, but the the sweetness from the coconut and the the, the roastiness is still kind of balanced out with it all. It, it that's amazing. Thanks, I appreciate that. We that one was in the barrel for 11 months, and um, we were going to put it in for 12, uh, but we had a local group, um, which was a Cincinnati, uh, Greater Cincinnati Craft Beer Society had. Um, one of the guys, the founders of that, lives out here in Dillsboro area, and he put a group together and invited people out to the brewery, so we pulled it out earlier. It was at its flavor profile anyway, so uh, we went ahead and pulled it out earlier and, and tapped it for those folks that came in for that. That's, and, that's uh, killer. That's, I mean, that's... that's that That's, uh, you know, you put the beer in the barrel, and there's a lot going on uh, from the charring of that barrel. Uh, the sugars that are in the white oak are getting caramelized. And um, if you ever notice the dark, tarry um, runoff that's on the outside of those barrels from the seams, if you taste that, you're going to get an explosion of that caramelized sugar from the oak right. and bourbon. And, and that's what you're after is to get those flavors infused into that beer. Well, and I, you know, and again, going back to the whole cincinnati doesn't understand what 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 they've got out here you guys it, were one of the first breweries that i've ever heard of to put bourbon barrel beers in cans yeah we were the i first mean one. I, like why do why aren't people talking about that you know everybody everybody you know i i, I love madry they're they're fantastic people sure, they are everybody threw a shit fit when they were the first brewery in ohio to to have canned beer you guys had been 
canning beer for what a year or something at that point? Is somewhere close to that? Is that I suppose sound? it it probably wasn't our finest hour. I mean, we we did can beer. Uh, you know, we're very small. If you see it in here, uh, my wife and I either built it or bought it. You know, we even more of a reason to <laughs> to, to kind of to, to talk about that. And we, to, we don't have big New York money, and we don't have a lot of investors, and and we weren't the marketing guy for a huge East Coast brewery. We're we're really who we are, and and that's who we wanted to stay as. We had an opportunity to expand again, and um, to tell you the truth, it's really just not us. We we looked around and we said, you know. What's the bottom line here? Um, another eight hundred thousand uh, dollars in equipment, and where would that get us? Uh, it might get us a seat on the bench. It isn't going to get us in the game. This, since if you understand the Cincinnati beer market a little bit better, which I won't go into here, but <laughs> it it really just became a matter of are we having any fun? And and if we spend eight hundred thousand more dollars. Um, that is going to allow us to continue to sell beer at half price, which is what it goes to a distributor right, at. Right. And we said, you know, we're not any really any good at it. I mean, we're not having any fun. And so basically we sold the canning line, and it sold in about two weeks, and it was gone. Uh, we sold three tanks. We got back down to doing exactly what we love to do. Now we do 25 beers a year. We can do variants on anything we want. We always have something on that's different than we advertise. So if you're a regular here, there's always gonna be some kind of surprise for you or a treat that no one else is really gonna get. And that's what we got into this for. Um, you know, again, yeah, we were canning beer, but let's face it, at this end of the game, and even the guys that are the bigger breweries in Cincinnati would have to admit, the equipment you're getting at this level you know, it, it's not the best. It's that's it's, it's that, not the best. But that's also kind of that that, that was there was, when craft beer became when craft beer started to exist. You know, you had places like Sierra Nevada and and and, and breweries like that that when they start up, the equipment was not the best. No. Like that's that's part of what makes it fun. That's part of what kind of ties you into a brewery. And when you can see something like this come out off of somebody brewing out of something that they say, oh, it's not the best. You know, we could, we, you know, we could do better. We could do this or we could do that. Or that's what makes it exciting. And that's what makes it fun. And that's what, that's what makes you fall in love with the brewery too. And clearly there's, there's plenty of people around here that have fallen in love with this brewery, not because you've got New York money as, as you put it, or, or because you've got the, the fancy, you know, wild goose canning line that's putting out X amount of cans an hour or whatever, you know, like that's not why people fall in love with the brewery. It's right. it's that that other little that, that that X factor that other little thing that just it's it's hard to put into words, but you know it's. I think there's a misconception that somehow we're too far out there, but you know, if you had everybody in here raise their hand, um, I think you'd find that probably eighty percent of them aren't from this area, and so we rely heavily on people that come from Harrison, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Dayton. We have regular customers um, from out in uh, on the far east side. So, to me, the difference in in what's happening now versus how the business was 35 years ago is that 
you know, craft beer used to be an adventure, and now I think that a, a generation has grown up with craft beer. They didn't really have to fight for it. It's pretty much delivered to them. Um, I think in a lot of cases they just take it for granted, and and now, you know, the, the marketing wheels have to really spin hard, and, you know, quite frankly, we're just not any good at that. So... <laughs> Uh, because we don't really apply ourselves to it, we. I but know. I look ar- I look around at what you guys have done with this place, and with what it is, and you may not be you may not be standing at the street corner yelling at people right. and say, "Hey, here's sure. here's what we've done." But you you can't say that like you're not good at, at, at marketing something because you've taken you've taken a, a, a product that's, that's beer that you know so many of people that probably people in this room you know you're, you're brewing in your garage with your, your buddies and you're like, oh this is good I like right. this taking it to that next step and creating something finding a space like this like that's you know you can't say you're not good at marketing you well, just we might be good at building and we might be good at you creating. just don't know you're good at it <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people appreciate what we do and, and that's really enough and, and all the rest of it was uh, quite honestly no fun and you know another brewer that I've known for quite a while, and he's really a well-known fella down in the Louisville area, and, and came out of New Albanian. Um, you know, he called a lot of those things vanity projects, right. and and a lot of times they just are. You know, they're just a project that it felt good to to know you're in all these stores and this and that, but at the bottom line, there's no money in it at this level. Right. It's a true struggle. Um, I think when if people could understand that we started out as a half barrel brewery and now we're a 10 barrel brew house and have been since uh, 2011. We bought our brewing equipment from Millstream Brewing in Amana, Iowa, which was Iowa's first craft brewery. Our equipment was 25 years old when we bought it. We bought new fermenters, but the brew house is a four vessel, really old German style brew house. You know, those are things that you can do a lot on, you know, you're not... I didn't know you guys had a four-vessel brew house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we can do... We do a lot of different beers. We can do decoction mashes and a lot right. of different things. So, I, you know, it really... It, but those aren't beers that you're going to continually crank out and get into the market in a, right. in a large way. So, you know, we just made a decision that we want to do what we set out to do, which was have fun and create a space that a lot of people would enjoy. We don't have a mass of customers and herds of customers mobbing us, but we have the customers that we want because they appreciate what we do, and we appreciate them coming out here and, and uh, giving us a try. I'll tell you what. Let's let's take a quick break, pay some bills, and sure. then we'll um, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the story about you know how you guys started, how you got to this point, all that all sure. that jazz. You know, it's. It's always really fun to sit down with a brewery for the first time because you get to talk about that story. And so many people don't know your story. And so it's, it's a fun one. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, Mike Cisneros here with a word about Brewhouse Dog Bones. By now, craft beer fans all over Cincy know the distinctive brown paper sack with a big red bone. You've seen it in great breweries like Mount Carmel, Listerman's, Rheingeist, 
Meatball, Braxton, and more. At just five bucks a bag, you know you can't find a more healthful or delicious treat for your best friend made from spent brewery grains, organic eggs, peanut butter, and brown rice flour. But did you know that Brewhouse Dog Bones is an educational program for developmentally disabled teens and young adults? It's available through the New Richmond, Cincinnati Public, Fort Thomas Public, Sycamore, Oak Hills, and many more school districts across Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. For more information on where to find Brewhouse Dog Bones, or how to get your developmentally disabled loved one or your school district involved in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, contact Lisa Graham at area code 513-520-0310 or visit www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. Um, I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest and harvester. They're all out there and. and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't. You don't ever hear somebody say, "Yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap." But I, <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, fans. I'm going to tell you about the new apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast, Pasteur Screen Print. Mario Pasteura has built his family business with the craft beer movement in mind. They've done custom items for Old Firehouse, Listerman, and many more. Screen printing to embroidery, Pasteur's Screen Print has the answers for your custom apparel and marketing needs. Contact Mario or any of the pros at Pasteur's Screen Print at 513-550-2271 by email at pasture.screenprint at gmail.com and coming soon at www.pasture.screenprint.com. The craft of custom apparel is Pasteur's Screen Print. We're back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, for any Periscope listeners that are now forced to come back and listen to the podcast afterwards because your sound cut out, I'm sorry. I'm all by myself trying to run a show, and I'm really sorry. We still love you guys, and I promise that we are going to have this figured out in the very near future. But clearly you're listening, so you found a way to do it. You found out iTunes has podcasts, and Google Play has podcasts, and... There's lots of ways to listen to the show. We we live in technical difficulties right now. This this show has been nothing but chaos lately. So, um, I want to know the story of Great Crescent. Um, you said you started on a half barrel brew system. Right. Um, I know at one point you were in a storefront over here in town. One block um, over. On what a three barrel system there or something like that. It was that. a half barrel. Was system, it a half barrel over there? But we had one barrel fermenters, and um, at at one point we added a second brew kettle, and we were brewing really six batches a day. Oof. And um, clearly that had to change. So, and even I mean that amount of beer obviously doesn't even move the needle in the beer business, but. Uh, we knew we wanted to keep doing it. It was something that was uh, something that we just wanted to do and, and pursue and grow. Well, let's let's go back a little further than that. Like, what I, I like to word it as: What was your 
your road to craft beer? What what started this? I don't know, obsession, bug, well, passion, whatever you want to call it. Well, without going insanity. into insanity, sure, insanity. It was really helpful, but without going into a back in my day story, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm from Denver originally, and uh, and back in my day, back in the day, you could buy beer when you were 18, and then. 21, it was 3, 2, and 6%, you know, all those goofy laws. But the, the true bottom line is I was always the guy that was um, going after the Dos Equis Dark or when Pabst came out with their Bach each year. Uh, I really liked that. And you're, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, my story is a little bit different, but I was the weirdo that showed up to college parties where everybody's drinking Natty Light with my cooler filled with Mount Carmel growlers. Sure. I mean, that was, you know, so I, I, I understand that story. It was clearly a little different but yeah and it's i think it's something a lot of people can relate to that love craft beer but it's really a something that i wanted uh had a desire for even when i was young was a beer that was just not the same old lagers that everybody made and um denver was like the epicenter in uh, 1978 when jimmy carter signed the homebrew bill and it really started in denver in the boulder area and so we had access to flavorful beers really in the late 70s. And because we were, we were with, uh, we had access to people that were teaching you how to brew out of, out of Boulder. So it just kind of progressed from there in the 80s, mid 80s, I moved to Seattle and um, there was already some really good craft breweries going there. And, you know, I moved down to San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera. And then we finally made our way here. Uh, because I worked for DHL, so I had been around. Um, and then I got to travel the world with DHL as a maintenance manager, so Belgium was one of my main stations and in uh, and, and Brussels. So it's the Disneyland of beer, I think it's been called several times. So those are the background that I had to say, I really can do this. And so uh, my wife had bought me a homebrew, uh, really ingredients, there was no such thing as a kit Right. You know, back in 92. So um, I just started brewing from there and, and just developed recipes. We, we just had fun with it and we liked it. And then when the 90s came along, it, we actually made a run at a brewery uh, called Great Crescent Brewery at that time. And things just weren't going to gel for us. It just wasn't going to work. There was really just, it was too complicated, as, as absurd as that seems to try and get a small brewery off the ground, there really were no resources. You truly were on your own. Uh, so we kind of let it lay. But then in the early 2000s, we started thinking about it again. And anybody knows the 90, mid-90s craft beer really came and went. I mean, it was a bubble and burst. And then, you know, the big guy said, told you so. Right. <laughs> so jokes on them. Jokes on them now. <laughs> but they didn't, they, what they, what's that it's saying? That, when they buried us, they didn't know we were seeds. So <laughs> the 90s came and went, the 2000s came, and, and really I started thinking about it really hot and heavy again in 2005. By 2007, we created the company. By 2008, we opened in a small storefront. Which, let's, let's stop there for a minute and, and, again, kind of throw some respect to you. I, you know... People talk about the oldest breweries in Cincinnati, and, and clearly you've got, you know, Mount Carmel. I, 
I go back a little further. I consider Rock Bottom a, a craft brewery in Cincinnati, sure. even if they're not they're locally chain, owned. They're, they're a craft brewery. You've got Moreline, sort of. The company existed at that time. You know, Greg Hardman bought it in like 2004, I think, something like that. They weren't brewing back in Cincinnati yet, but I'll throw them in that in that uh, that that group right there. Um, Hofbrau House. Hofbrau House has always been great. Listerman, sure. Mount Carmel. That's it. As, as far as the 30-some-odd breweries that are in Cincinnati right now, those are the only ones that are... Well, don't forget Rivertown. They started 2009, I think. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. They did start after hey, You don't even know that you're older than Rivertown? Well, I know. I <laughs> no, think... you've got them. <laughs> well, true enough. I mean, they, you know, right about that same, same period of time, but, um, you know... I just you know and again I hate I hate harping on it but I just I feel like there's so many people that just don't understand what's happening what's what's been happening out here what what's happening now what's going to happen out here you know this this whole big story that's going on so I just you know well, I really appreciate you guys coming out to talk about it we we like to tell our story because we think it's a good one too and um, when you look at where we started um, we've had years that were. 90% growth, 75% growth, 400% growth. You know, those are really hard years, and, and they're not... If you're buying equipment and you're expanding, you're not making any money. Right. And I don't think a lot of people understand the beer business, and it's not something that a lot of breweries talk about, because, you know, really, how much does the customer really need to know about the trials and tribulations of a brewery? That's a good question, though. I mean, that's that's... Also, kind of, you know, where this show started, where 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 the the blog started, you know, because there are so many people that want to know, you know, that 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 other side of it, you know, it's it's not big beer. You don't just run down to Kroger and grab your your six pack and go it's home and and, and, and and crack it up <laughs> like that. It, well, let me tell you how the the split in in the early two thousands and two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, when we opened, there's on premise, which is at the bar at the place where you have draft beer, and off-premise, which is your house, and your refrigerator. The craft beer segment was 50-50, or excuse me, it was 25-75. 75% was on-premise, which meant at the bar, and 25% was basically at home in your refrigerator. We'd only been open a few years when that changed to 50-50. And so 50% of the beer was home in the refrigerator, and 50% was on-premise. Well, as a brewery, you're going to start thinking, you know, we need to, we need to get this in some packaging and get it right. in the refrigerator. Enter Cincinnati Market, which um, we really hadn't thought about entering. We had other ideas, but we went in anyway. And um, what a lot of people don't realize is that 75% of all craft beer in the Cincinnati Market is at Kroger. And so that's not local craft beers, that's all craft beers. And so if you're not in Kroger, then you've really eliminated 75% of the market. Is anyone else gonna pick you up? Well, you know, it's a fight for tap handles. There's, there's a lot of things that go into it that as a really small, uh, truly mom and pop operation, um, we just really weren't ready literally. for it. Literally. <laughs> we just weren't ready for it. Quite frankly, it's just not who we are. We just, you know, fighting for tap handles and arguing with beer reps and doing those things just really isn't what we want to do. And um, 
you know, we were grateful for the people that did pick us up and have helped us out and do different things. But in the long term, it just wasn't our goal. I mean, and it's it's kind of clear when you walk into a space like this and you see, you know, the, the, the people that come out here, the, the way this place is put together, you taste the food, you see the, this, the beautiful bar you guys have, which we'll, again, we, we need to talk about, but uh, that this is a place that you come to sit, you come to hang out, you, in, in the case of the people that I know, the people that, that, are, that are in my side of the world, you know, this is... you. Part of it is coming out here. Part of it is taking right. taking the time and, and, and spending some time out here. And you you eat, you hang out, you you, you know your friends meet you out here. You know, that's, right. that's that's part of the whole thing. It's not. I don't come out here with the intention of you know, having a, a couple beers and then jump into the next brewery. And I think that that there there is something to that that I think. Uh, I hope people understand. I hope people get it and. and you know, well, I, this isn't this isn't like Disneyed up. You know, I mean, you you go to places where they create a space that you know it looks authentic and it's cool enough. But this is a real distillery warehouse that was built in 1843. It isn't Disneyed up. Yeah, it's but, what but, it is. But if if somebody <laughs> was going to Disney something up and and come up with some kind, all right. We need to create this space that looks like a like a like a brewery in a, in a little river town in in, in right. you know Indiana. Like this well, that's, is it. that's that's what we need to create. And, you know, somebody make this space for us. They would they would build it. This is what they built. I know. <laughs> Only you guys just. This is real. This is this is the way it was. Which, um, so tell us a little bit about the space. You know, it's you, know, you said old distillery warehouse. Yeah, the distillery was across the street. That building still partially stands. Um, it's a recycle center now. And um, the building that you're in, the four-story section, which is, is through this wall that's behind us, that's the original part of the building. Um, it was all built in 1843. It was a fairly large uh, distillery. And uh, the building that we occupy is 49,000 square feet, the three-story section here and then the four-story section on the adjacent. Um, the brothers that built it also, um, one of them went on to build the Crescent Brewing Company which is right down here on the river at Indiana 56 and Market Street. And um, that was known as the Crescent Brewing Company, and its nickname was the Great Crescent Brewery. They exported beer um, all over the world. So we liked that nickname a lot, and that's why we chose Great Crescent Brewery. We found out this building had been vacant for five years, and when we talked to the owner, he told us that it was the old distillery it was kind of at that point where, you know, I wanted it. That's what I wanted. And so we managed to get our hands on it. Um, it's way more space than we'll ever use, but um, it was too cool to pass up. So that's how we wound up in here. Well, these, these big wooden beams that run through the, the, the middle of the, the, the space, you know, they, like you just, you just want to, like, grab them and like feel the stories that, that come out of them you know it's like amazing. it's just it's it's such a beautiful space you know the the, the, the wall with the brick wall behind us and the these big sliding barn doors over here so, i mean just there's there's so many little things about this that just that just that scream some kind of history and you just you, you just want to keep knowing more so the bar we got that from a customer's um he's in his 80s he was 82 when we bought it from him he's 87 or 88 now 
his dad bought it new in 1933, uh, which was the repeal of Prohibition. Right. And so he wanted to have a business with his two sons. One of the sons is who we bought the bar from. And he had stored it in a barn. He had, he had closed the bar, uh, which was called the Hofbrau, and it was down at the corner of Montana and Harrison Avenue. And um, the building's long gone. I know. I, I think there's a drugstore and a bank in that vicinity, <laughs> of course. Um, but that's where we got it. Uh, he came and asked, his, his son actually came and asked us if we'd like to get it uh, because his dad, the guy we bought it from, came, uh, when he came home one day, his dad said that he was going to open another bar. <laughs> and he told him that he was not going to open another bar. And that's when he decided he needed it. It, it, it would continue until he got rid of the bar. So he came and asked us if we'd like to take a look at it. And we did. We went and looked at it. Um, he had it in a barn. It was all covered up and been in there for 10 years probably. But it's all original. It's all cool. It's bookend match mahogany and cherry burl and and it's what you would have seen a bar have in 1933. Well, it kind of sets the stage for this place too. So, you know, it's it's so hard to describe to people what you know what this place feels like. It's yeah. you know you've got this this historical distillery warehouse space with these big wooden beams. You've got this beautiful kind of Art Deco clearly Art Deco bar. Sure. And then there's this kind of steampunk thing that's going right. on too. Like it's this. We prefer it, to call it machine age, I, uh, I, modern, or machine age, uh, mid-century machine age, or something like that. I, I forget what the exact, some people call it diesel punk, but... Um, I can't remember how I worded it on the website. I think I, something with um, modern pioneer futurist, I don't remember. I, don't, I, I, I couldn't come up with a good descriptor for it. But. Well, well, we dig all that. We like all the gears and the tubes and all the stuff. It's, it's very hard to describe, but it just makes perfect sense when you when you walk in here um so the last time i was here uh it looked a little different there was not the section in the front for families right which we we kind of we kind of touched on a little bit some of the indiana laws and you have to have food and that kind of stuff um evidently breweries are not family friendly according to the state of indiana is that what you know it's it's really more the big restaurant lobby um the rule is if you have $200,000 in food sales a year, I think it's 200000 it might be 150. Anyway, it's a lot. If you have $150,000 in food sales a year and 60% of your sales is food, then you can do X, which is put a, a barrier like a brass rail or a rope or whatever that you see at a lot of places, um, three feet from the bar and everybody's good. If you do not have the $150,000 in food sales and 60%, uh, it's not food, then there's a whole list of stuff you got to do. And I talked to the attorney for the guild that we have and was looking for some guidance on it. Why, why is it like this? And I mean, he basically put it on the big restaurants and the, the corporate restaurants that they're the ones that keep it that way and, and um, by lobbying. And uh, really, it just eliminates some of their competition. How how much of that is accurate, I don't know. It, it makes sense to me. Indiana is, is, is kind of an odd state with that. Like, it's, you know, I've always heard that, you know, like, Muncie, Indiana is like this weird restaurant kind of testing ground and stuff. So I imagine that there is some kind of... Probably Some is. kind of, of, of... Well, what kind of... Focus sing- with restaurants on Indiana, which I... I, what, I don't know. I, that's, that's not my realm. I, I drink beer. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know the space. You see the space. And 
we don't have TVs. We do music, and um, we don't. We're going to do a new um, uh, project I'm working on. It's called Without the Covers, and basically, it's only original music. And so, we're rounding up musicians that if they can only do 30 minutes, then we group them up with another person that can only do 30 minutes, and and we can put an evening of music together. But and so, if anyone is interested in that, um, just contact awesome. me. But but it's called Without the Covers, and it's because we do all original beer. The artwork that you see hanging in here is all original from local artists. And, you know, if I hear one more dance with Marianne again, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'll do. So, and then there's talented people out there doing covers. I'm not trying to say there isn't, but if everything you do is original and it, it's really yeah. a platform we think musicians can fit in really well, and um, you know, it, without the covers, I think is a is going to be a good thing. Well, I think it's brilliant. As a very amateur musician, I you know I always appreciate when I go somewhere and I hear original music. I you know again I enjoy covers, but sure, um, well done covers. Yeah, <laughs> they're not all well done. So I I like it. I think um, it plays on what you guys do here, who you guys are. This whole "Quote unquote theme," you claim you're not good at marketing. Well, I don't, I don't buy it because <laughs> it plays in perfectly with who you guys are and what what what's happening here. Um, uh, yeah, definitely, anybody who's listening to this, and I'll, I'll put something up on uh, on social media too about it. You know, cool. anybody, you know, reach out. Original music, come out here. Hey, it's your chance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it, no, one's, no one's gonna say negative. It's you know, we appreciate anyone that tries to do something original. And well, um, I think there's you know. a lot of people that are kind of afraid of that. Um, that, that you know, bar bands historically. You know, you right. you, you play the wrong song and people are going to yell at you. People are going to get you know. We've all seen Roadhouse. Nobody wants that. <laughs> we so, know this isn't Roadhouse. So. <laughs> so that's but that's that's almost the mentality of a band that plays in in a quote unquote bar, whereas with this brewery culture i think it it's it's very different this isn't a bar like you said you know bars are are bars are this breweries are this creativity um original thought and original ideas and stuff is is embraced in a place like this and i i i, I want people to understand that so cool you know, one more break we'll be right back um i want to find out what's in store for you guys in the future great um, I feel like we could talk for another four hours, but we won't. So we'll be right back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. You know, there's no need to be an uptight. <laughs> beer, beer is about having fun. The dream, the dream is definitely the fact that we went from homebrewing in a garage to where we are today. Right? That is. That is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Uh, we uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Can you have more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. We're <laughs> listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hey everybody, we're brought to you by Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. 
Brewers Buddy is the latest homebrewing system on the market. It's a patent-pending, gravity-fed beer homebrewing platform made affordable for anyone who loves the craft of brewing beer. It's versatile, durable, affordable, and it's safe. You can follow them at Brewers Buddy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find out more about them at BrewersBuddy.com. Make sure you pre-order now at www.BrewersBuddy.com. Brewers Buddy, your best friend in brewing. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman-Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Submissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. This is the Gnarly Gnome guiding you through Great Crescent Brewery. Telling you everything that you don't want you do, you don't you don't know that you should know. All of the things that drive me absolutely crazy that Cincinnati either ignores or nobody wants to I, I don't know what it is. I just don't know why people aren't talking more about what's happening out here and it, it absolutely drives me crazy. And, and maybe that's my idealistic, um, happy beer blogger you know, mentality that I have that everybody hates. I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the adventurous spirit that really fueled and, and got craft beer off the ground isn't, doesn't exist as much here as it does in other areas of the country. And the reason that Oregon and Washington, Denver, some of the places that are really well-known uh, beer uh, foundational uh, pieces is because of the people that are there are more adventurous. And there's nothing wrong with either way. There's nothing wrong with either approach. Um, a distributor in Indiana once told me that uh, Hoosiers, they don't like to be first, but they don't like to be last either. And so the Cincinnati market, I guess, I. I see a lot of angst and I see a lot of frustration and hear it that, you know, why aren't we better known? And well, you got to include people, you know, Oregon didn't get to be a 40 plus percent beer market by excluding people. Right. You know, these other places, they didn't get to where they are by saying they're not going to recognize anybody that is across the street. So at some point in time, uh, I really appreciate that, you know, you have these people that come in and open up these really large tap rooms and get huge notoriety and really put Cincinnati somewhere on the map that have connections in the beer business because it really does benefit everyone. It, it puts some legitimacy to it that we really didn't have. But isn't there some part of you that just wishes that they would say, have you been to Great Crescent? Have you, have you? I think a lot of people do say that. I, I think the answer is, well, no, why would I? And if that's the answer that you can give, then really, you know, I, I, I don't have anything to offer that. I say, we're for the adventurous. We are for the people that 
want something better, that want something new and different, we're not for the person that wants to just go to Kroger and pick up the same stuff they usually pick up. They might stretch it a little bit once in a while and pick up a six pack of something else, but you know, we're really not about that. And you know, there's other great breweries that um, crank the generator every day with creativity that don't get recognized and they're right in Cincinnati. So I don't really feel left out. I just feel like the people that are adventurous enough to uh, make the short trip out here get rewarded. The ones that can't be bothered, then, you know, they can't be bothered. I, I well, we can bother them, <laughs> and, and we will bother them. I'm not going to stop bothering them. No, that's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a matter of uh, discovery, and a lot of people, you know, everybody discovers things in their own way. The, the gateway beers that you talked about before, you know, I know people that IPA was a, a gateway beer for them. Well, and, and, and that's funny. I, um, I, just, I live in Fairfield, so upper northwest of this i'm not in the city and a lot of people would say i'm not part of cincinnati but um I, you know i'm but close you clearly are. I, i'm close to dogberry i'm close to fibonacci you know these tiny little breweries that kind of that same kind of mentality that i think you guys have here that we just do our thing we're happy with 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 how we're doing it and people can ignore us or people can come out here and and, and see what we're doing and that but I'm getting off track. <laughs> so Fibonacci, um, when they opened up in Mount Healthy, they didn't understand what that, 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 that community and what that crowd was going to want out of craft beer. And they, you know, oh, we need to have something. We need to have our, our, our local favorite beer, you know, this thing we can put on that, that, the gateway beer. Right. And they created a Kolsch, which is a phenomenal Kolsch. But that's not what the locals started drinking as soon as they came in. I mean, these are, for all, you know, I, I, don't, I hate kind of lumping people together, but there was a lot of people that came in there that were not craft beer drinkers. And they started drinking the Belgian Triple. You know, and that, was, that became the most popular beer there. Everybody liked the Belgian Triple. That's pretty cool. It, you, you can't predict that kind of stuff. You, you can't. can't you can't pigeonhole somebody into this is what you're going to like because of this, 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 or this. I, yeah, it, I, yeah. Well, we get, we get uh, resources from the industry. We get a couple of emails a day from the people that do all the data and they do the analysis and, and they tell you all kinds of great things about what's going on. But really what they're talking about is the, the big beer business and, and even the craft beer business is way beyond uh, what we do. I think that if you want to see what's what's going to happen in the overall craft beer business looking at small breweries and the way a lot of them have pulled back most of them that i know if you have four thousand breweries in the united states and the distributors are carrying a hundred beers you know there's a lot of beer being made out there that's never going to touch anyone's hands unless they're local or you seek it out and i think that's pretty exciting i don't think that we had customers that would come in and fret, you know, about this or that getting bought by Mega Brew, and and you have to tell them that, you know, <laughs> if you're buying beer from ten states away and you've got, uh, you know, thirty-five to forty breweries within a thirty-five-minute drive of you, why do you care if if the beers that are being made locally and you can get really great beer, who cares if the distributors 
aren't able to feed you only what they want to feed you, you have fresh beer available. Why are you focusing on this, these things that really aren't going to matter to you anyway? If, if those breweries went out of business, you'd still have great local craft beer. Right. You, you can't go back now. <laughs> yeah, you can't go back now. So, But the business has changed a lot. I mean, you know, the way it started, it was, like I said earlier, it was just a lot more adventurous, and you had to be adventurous and seek it out. It wasn't, it wasn't delivered to your door, per se, not in the hundreds of varieties, thousands of varieties. But even then, like, you look at some of these breweries that have this this huge distribution chain and you can walk into a drugstore that's on some random corner and you'll see their beer in the cooler you know sure. you know just in at the same time the beers that people i wouldn't say the beers that sell the most but the beers that people get excited about are that random one-off keg that they throw on in the tap room like there is still that 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 kind of that adventure that spirit is still there oh yeah but it's For like, sure. how do you how do you pull it out of people? How do you? Oh, I um, think I think there's a lot to be said on both ways. I mean, we make a 14% barley wine. We do 10% stouts. We do we do higher alcohol beers that we only serve here, and we'll we'll put some in the the quart bottle, you know, the rounds. But um, most people aren't going to sit down and drink very many of those, and right. so I think it's only logical that if you're going to have a beer like that that you'd put it in some small bottles and try and and sell it as something that goes off premise and so the beers that we get excited about generally are the ones that are like the bourbon barrel coconut porter or the ipa series that we've been doing for the last two years we didn't even we didn't even talk about the the stuff the 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 collaborations with sugar creek and the yeah those are all good cheese you know we there's not enough time to do all these shows that we need to do well, that's all good. I mean, um, but that's what we do. I mean, the IPA series has been just really awesome. Uh, a brewery our size, there's a lot of talk about a hop shortage and this and that, and that's probably true. Things are going to get kind of tough. But at our size and the way that a lot of breweries have been contracting hops, they didn't meet their sales goals. You know, a lot of people had a really high bar set for brewing beer and and you know, you don't want to get caught without hops and raw materials, grain, you know, malt and that kind of thing. And so now they're trying to sell all these hops out on the open market. And so we capitalize on that a lot. And that's how we do these IPAs that we do. I mean, we're picking up hops that generally would not be available to us. And we're picking them up um, through, uh, I guess, really what you'd call on the spot market. So that's been really great and i see that continuing for forever and you're talking about the um is it the aurora series is that what it's called yeah we call it the aurora ipa series and it's it's uh, a different ipa every time and some of them different hop blends different single hops different whatever whatever. you know we, we you know a lot of breweries market it very strong and and you know call it a single hop series you know the the right. I don't want to name names, but you know, it, but well, a lot of them do it. And it's it's not a new idea. But it's sure. but, but you're kind of shining a light on a different way and saying because we're the size we are, we can kind of jump in and we can we can we can grab these these extras and these these things that people have and still make it something special, not a 
a leftover beer. Right. You know, they, right. uh, you know, everybody when they were in college made the the garbage casserole, where you sure. just pull the stuff out of the fridge and just dump it into something. And say, hey, this is what I had. This is this is what I made. Well, these beers are thoughtful. Yeah, we're we're not just going out and buying anything we can find, but right. but we do target hops. We go see if they're available and. You know, sometimes they're only available in a bale. Well, I'm not going to, you know, get a 110-pound bale of hops, but you wait and you see, and, and, you know, we buy them all the time. But it enables you to do some really fun stuff. You it know, Pacific Jade and things like that. You Like, it's some really, really cool stuff that... Yeah. Those have been really good beers, too. I, I'm really pleased with the way they've been turning out. And, and this Cosmic IPA, I mean... We've been selling uh, a half a barrel a day since we put it on draft. And Which we didn't even get to talk about. I... I drank it during the commercial because I'm a bad <laughs> podcast host but um, what's where where do you see yourself in this future of this 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 crazy messed up changing evolving craft beer scene like what where does Great Crescent go do you just kind of hunker down and just do your thing and just keep yeah I wouldn't say we hunker down I I I look at it more like um you know, there was this thing in the, the 90s when everybody was laying everybody off. The corporations were laying everybody off. and, and they Which, weren't. shout out to Stone for laying off. How many of their employees this well, week? Well, uh, yeah, that's true. And, and uh, you know, the HR guys had a spin on it that, you know, they, they weren't downsizing. They were right-sizing. Right. And, and I look at us the same way. We, we really right-sized what we did. It's really appropriate for what we do and what we want to do. We have opportunities every week that we could fill and increase production but quite frankly you know we're up double digits 2015 was the best year we ever had 2016 we're up um, almost at an uncomfortable level of an increase and so why do I want to go out and sell draft and get into that street fight again I if I'm growing at a good pace that's comfortable for us that's all we want right you know we've already lived through all those crazy things that you try to do thinking that you know you're really going to get some traction and uh and not really being very successful at it for a lot of reasons um but you know the quality of the beer is king and that's what we really get to focus on now we can do anything we want and that's a pretty good feeling that we're not leveraged by anyone we own everything and and we can do anything we want so do you feel comfortable or do you, is there some sense of fear of, of, of where things are going with craft beer? I think if I was leveraged and I think if I had a lot of cost out there, um, I think I would be a little bit concerned about it. I, I think it depends on who you are. I mean, these companies aren't building large tap rooms well, that's, for I'm, no I'm, reason. And that's, I'm, I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah. You I, know, I, I know that there are a good. lot of people here in town <laughs> we're good. are terrified. There's there's a lot of very scared people with some, some really big money sitting on their shoulders that say, we need this, 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 and this to happen in the next five years or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's a scary thing Like as a person who just wants to make beer. Right. You know, we hear over and over again somebody that gets in this because they just want to make beer and they love beer and they love this this community aspect and this 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 camaraderie and this this this, this other thing in craft beer, and then all of a sudden it changes into something else. And like it seems to me like you guys have still been able to 
grab a hold of that other thing, whatever that, that again, that X factor, that, that thing in craft beer, and you've you've got it right now, and you're holding on to it, and I just, I, I, I wonder. Well, there's, I would only, I mean, where we sit now, I mean, honestly, you know, we're open two days a week because we run the brewery the rest of the time, so, uh, you know, quite frankly, there's nights in here when, you know, you just, you just want it to end. I mean, you know, it gets really busy, and and it's just the three of us. Uh, we do have help that comes in sometimes, and we know we're going to be really busy. Um, but that's how we're going to stand pat, you know. I mean, that's how the, the biggest revenue that we can make is here in this tap room, and there's no reason for us to change that. And, and that's not like it's a crazy margin. It's just anything else is a loser at this level. Right. And we don't have the three million to say we're going to get in the game. And to tell you the truth, at the current way things are, I don't think three million gets you in the game anymore. I, I think the way shelf space is, you know, the distributors really own the shelf space. They're the ones that say who goes on the shelf. Right. Kroger doesn't. They turn it over to those guys. So, if you're in with a distributor and you've proven that you can, you can, you know, get the beer to them and, and everything's going to be good, then they'll they'll stick with you and they'll place you. But you know, all these little guys that want to continually get into it like uh like we tried to do you know it's i don't think it's going to work for them as well as as they they want um but it may i mean if they're happy with what they're doing they're the they're the only judge of how how well it's working for the the measure of success is very different for each person yeah for us the measure of success really is doing what we're doing we you know i can't say it enough you know we have the customers that we want you know they they come in here. They know we don't have TVs. They know they're not going to come in here and watch the race. Or I or didn't even and notice you didn't have TVs until you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and that's to me that's the way it should be. I I shouldn't notice that you have or don't have them. <laughs> well, a lot of people aren't comfortable with it, and you know they we continually get requests. You know, why don't you have TV? Want to watch the game? Well, because we're not about that. We're we're about you coming over here and and uh, experiencing something new and. And even if it's experiencing a conversation with your wife that you haven't had in, in oh, five years. Oh, who wants to have that? <laughs> who wants to have that? I she know. went to the bathroom, I can say that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we that's what we're about, man. We're about the social part of it. We're not really about the um, the television and all the other things that a lot of places do. You can, right. you can get that in any corner. It's not really, I mean, it, that's not anything to seek out. So, I... I, I I respect that very much. That, that that you guys definitely know who you are, and I, I just want more people to know that. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> that. I really do. <laughs> you know, I, I get that. Yeah. I and I think it's cool you came out here. We, uh, you know, like I say, there's a lot of times where you know I look and see what some of the other breweries are doing, and and I think that's really cool, and it does generate interest for a lot of other uh, smaller breweries around. Uh, I just think that the adventure factor um, it could be kicked up a notch I think they there's so many things out there to discover and experience and have a good experience with it right uh, we're just not about the big crowds and all that it's it's really not who we are or what we do you guys are a, um, a very big nano brewery is the way I look at it you know <laughs> For you sure. 
you have that same mentality that a dog barrier or Fibonacci or a place like that has. But you're 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 a pretty good sized brewery, so I mean it's 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 it's, it's you have this mentality that doesn't match up with what you're doing here, and that's that that's fun to see that that you've managed to hang on to that that um, that mindset, I guess. So, well, when you shed the pressure of all the other things that have to happen, then really, again, you know, we can do whatever we want, and that's what we do. Just keep doing it. Thanks, man. What do you want? Cincinnati to know about you that they don't know about you? Um, I'm not really sure um, they can find out anything they want to know about us. I think <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they, they should can, just come here and drink the beer. I, and then... I just can't explain it to them. It's a pretty hard place to explain. <laughs> well, I can explain it. It's fantastic. Thank you. That's the only word that you need to know. So if you haven't been here, or if you have been here, come to Great Crescent. Um, What's the address? Importing Street, I know that and much. It's uh, 315 Importing Street, Aurora, Indiana. So just jump on 50, head west, and spend a day out here. Yeah, plenty to do. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>